0: Hello and welcome back to this week's edition of the Cooper Lydon is Alone podcast. Uh, today's episode is a bit of a somber episode. I'm not going to do my bit <clears throat> where I pretend that this is some sort of different podcast. Um, it's just it's just not that kind of day today because one of our crew um, has unfortunately left us. Uh, our camera operator, his name was uh, Damon. He was hit by a train, two trains. Uh, he got sandwiched. Um, It was a very interesting convergence of two railroad accidents, first being that Damon was on the tracks um, on a bridge so he couldn't go anywhere except jump, which he uh, didn't have the gall to. Not only did that happen, but also uh, two trains were heading the same way. That was a mistake. So not only did he get hit, he got sandwiched. Um, And if you know anything about train accidents, you know that a sandwich is the least likely for somebody to survive so right now the studio is in mourning and we uh we are sending our thoughts and prayers to damon up in heaven and his family um and a lot of people might be sitting here wondering uh cooper you have a crew for this podcast because it's not filmed very well it doesn't sound that great and the whole thing is pretty low production it looks definitely like you're sitting in a studio apartment um and you know that's if you don't if you know anything about movie magic that's you know that's just set design and direction and um you know when we started i i met Damon and i told him what i wanted what i wanted the podcast to look like and he said uh we can do that and he made a lot of stuff happen that a lot of other people said probably wouldn't be able to happen so yeah, I just want to take a moment of silence for Damon, just a couple seconds. Okay. Anyway, we're back. Uh, I do have a fucking hole in my wall, because I put a fucking hole in my wall. Um, you know how you think you're past that and you're not, that's what happens. Uh, not from my fist, uh, from a chair came home the other night I had been drinking and usually I don't get angry when I drink, but I was thinking about, uh, how things are actually going fine, but I chose to believe that they're going terrible. So I came home and was a little drunk and was like, eh, fuck your shit. And then just picked up a chair, threw it in the wall. And for all our, uh, video listeners, you can see where I'm pointing right now. There's a sock coming out of it because I'm, I'm afraid a rat is going to come out of this hole and then inhabit my apartment. Then again, I, I have no evidence of rats being anywhere even around the apartment. Um, and for audio listeners, yeah, it's a, it's a hole with a sock coming out. You're not missing a lot. A lot of podcasters would maybe hide this, maybe put up a curtain, uh, put up a picture frame, do something to hide their truth from the audience. That's not what we do here, okay? Every week I come on... And I try and make the narrator, i.e. me, less and less reliable. I give the audience less and less to hold on to. Because a lot of successful podcasts, they have a host that the audience trusts, that uh, believes their opinions, thinks that they have the right things to say. I don't see a point in that. I think this is sort of a hometown buffet where you get what you get. You know, and you you know you hopefully you get what you need from it. Based on the actual watch time of the podcast, it would seem that people walk into the hometown buffet, uh, get told it's a five minute wait, and leave about thirty seconds later. But that being said, uh, yeah, I haven't. Uh, it's Friday now. I haven't drank since uh, Sunday, and uh, you know maybe I'll keep that going. Uh, obviously, when I don't drink, I wake up. And I have more energy, you know, like if I had drank last night, I'd probably be recording this podcast in two hours. And I don't know why. I just know that whatever that sort of sluggishness that I don't notice would probably be there. And it would be something, you know, so I don't know. Not drinking is good. I think it's great. It's wonderful. You can just feel your body function kind of like it's supposed to. And it's always hilariously surprising how much better I am when I'm not fucking drinking and shit. Um, It just sucks because, uh, you know, sometimes drinking is the only time you feel any uh, enjoyment of anything. And that's not true, but it's not wrong. You know, like, it's tough, especially I'm 24, and so the thought of uh, actually quitting drinking is really daunting because it's like fuck so I'm 24 you know let's say I'm um, I live 40 to 50 more years that's you know practically double if not more of my lifetime that I've already lived that I have to do without an easy out and of course the easy out you know you let you you end up getting hung over you end up putting holes in your wall you know, if you're me, some of you motherfuckers just drink and and you're responsible and you do it at times when you're supposed to. And you can go fuck yourself. Um, but, yeah, that's tough, you know, because I don't I wouldn't say I have a drinking problem. I wouldn't say I've developed an addiction. You know, I, I, it's not something that's really severely impacted my life. It's just something I've noticed and my therapist has noticed that I'm not good at. That's what my therapist says. He goes, with love, you are not good at drinking. You binge drink, and you you have too much fun. You don't know how to drink responsibly. And, you know, a lot of people might be listening and saying, well, that's a dumb therapist. You're 24. How could you? You don't know how to drink yet. You're still in the wild phase where you drink to get drunk. And maybe you'll get older and you'll calm down and you can just have a couple of beers or a glass of bourbon and then you can say that's enough and go to sleep. And, you know, that's a nice thought, but but that's not going to happen. I don't think that's going to happen because, you know, I don't like to believe in predestination, but, you know, I look at my dad, uh, my brother, two of my uncles, uh, my grandfather. Um my other uncle, and I, and I see that on both sides of the family, we have a tendency to turn it up a notch. We have a tendency to not do the right thing. And when all of those people don't drink, they are massively successful. There's a lot of successful people in my family, at least in what they do, you know, good carpentry business, uh, a documentarian. Uh, my brother's doing great in the fishing industry. My dad, university teacher and uh, a therapist, you know. Um, my other uncle, world-renowned physician. And, you know, if they had kept drinking, a lot of that stuff would have been done worse. And I am trying to be a comedian and a podcaster when I am not that great at either. So I can't really afford to be the king of the good times because... I'm an idiot. And you, I think it's a, really a virtue to not trust yourself that much. I think there's a real virtue in that, of going, you know what? I'm not that guy. And the problem is, I love comedy. I love poetry. I love music. We all love music. But, you know, there's, there's a lot of my heroes, people I think were cool, would drink and sometimes they were alcoholics, and that alcoholism gets romanticized, and, you know, a lot of them were functioning alcoholics, and a lot of them were barely functioning alcoholics that still were able to produce this great work, and, you know, you look at that, and you're like, oh, I want to be, you know, one of those cool guys that can, you know, have a couple bourbons and write some cool shit or whatever, or or I just want to be a normal guy that can just go out, and nobody has to worry about him, he can just have drinks with everybody else, and, you know he's not going to get hammered and make a scene and you know i think it's good to look at yourself and go yeah no i um i have a sort of unexplainable uh deep well of sadness and more than that just anxiety and always worrying and so i obviously like anybody in the same position would Use alcohol as a medicine that just suppresses that and doesn't fix any of it. It just beats the fuck out of it until it shuts up, um, and sometimes it shuts it up too much to where normal thought of like, well, maybe you shouldn't do that, also gets sh- shut up, and then you end up with a hole in your wall. And <coughs> it's just what I realize is you can't look at you know cool guys that get fucked up. You can't be like, I'm like Bukowski. Like you can't, cause he was also had a lot of his own issues. Um, I'm, I'm a Hemingway or, you know, I'm, you know, you can't look at those people and say, well, they did. You have to look at your life and go, well, what happens when I drink? Is it cool? And, and, uh, would you make a movie about it? Uh, no, it's like boring and it's pathetic and it's sad. And it's not, you know, if my life is a movie that's not the one I want to write, you know, about just some fucking loser coming home drunk to a studio apartment, waking up the next day telling himself he's going to write and then not doing it, you know. You have to stop playing this game of dress up, pretty much. There's so many people that. You know, listen, you come here for the truth. There's a lot of people that act like Halloween is year-round. They're always in a costume. Fuck me for saying that. But there's so many people that just have this idea, of them, especially in art, is they have this idea of themselves. It's like, oh, I'm the crazy guy. But then it ends up being like, you haven't wrote a joke in three months. You're not even a comedian anymore because you've just told yourself you're a comedian and you think you're fucking Doug Stanhope and you have to sit back and go, you know what, no, Doug Stanhope has the physical endurance of a, you know, of Tom Brady, of a guy that stayed in the professional sports for longer than anybody else. He literally, as it's a, to me, it's a similar amount of physical endurance of how can that guy drink every day, still go on the road, still perform a new hour every one to three years? How can he do that? because he can and trying to figure out how he can and how you can is a waste of fucking time if you can't already do it you either have it or you don't you either can function as an alcoholic or you're like me and you just like binge drinking until you've created a problem for yourself until you're so drunk where you go wait why did it stop being fun fuck now i'm just dying you know Oh, because I can't say no to anything because I don't actually think, hey, if I drink this beer, how am I going to feel? I don't think that. I go, well, if I drink this beer, I'll feel better. And really, it's like, well, you've had eight of them. If you drink another, you're just going to get drunker. And especially when you drink less, you start, the feeling of being drunk starts to, its definition changes. In the times that I've, and I'm not trying to talk as a sober person because I'm not, I'm not a sober person. Even if I quit alcohol, I'm still going to smoke weed and whatever. I'm not a sober person. I probably never will be a truly sober person. Definitely not off like nicotine or caffeine. But fucking what I'm saying is when in the times that I've gone like a few months without drinking, your perception of being drunk, I've noticed changes. It goes from, oh, to be drunk is to be happy. Drinking is a beer makes you happy. And you step away from, it and you go. No beer doesn't make you happy. Beer makes you drunk. What drunk is? It's lowering inhibitions, which will usually lead to less anxiety, and ba ba ba. But you you feel the feeling of being drunk, especially if you go like two months without drinking and then you drink. I notice you actually enjoy it less. It's not like oh god, I miss this. You go oh man, I I feel tired. I feel sluggish. I feel uncoordinated. My brain is slower and when you do it all the time it just seems fun and then when you take a break from it you come back and you're like oh this is a poison that's when you feel that it's oh this is a poison you know like alcohol is a horrible thing but it's amazing because it makes you feel awesome and I don't think anybody that drinks it is a bad person of course not but when you don't you come back and you're like oh fuck so it's good to To look at yourself and go, hey, am I going to chase this stupid, childish, romantic dream of being the the troubled writer who drinks? No, because what's that going to end up? That's going to end up with me, unmarried, no kids, no career, drinking a fucking tall boy by myself in an apartment in Van Nuys. It's not going to be pretty. It's not going to be cool. Okay, I'm not going to fucking look like Sinatra. You just got to put those dreams down and you got to think, well, what do I want to do? I want to be able to fucking get up and write. I want to be able to take a fucking walk. I want to be able to record the podcast and get it out when it needs to get out. And if what that takes is not being hammered the night before, then you don't love what you do enough to sacrifice that. So... You know, that's why the obvious answer is like, you know, even at 24, I'm realizing I'm not good at this. And there's no reason to wait till I'm 30 or 40 to develop a problem that's even harder to quit where I get the fucking shakes or some shit. Thank God I'm not there. You know, like I look at my drinking the same way a little kid who wants to be an astronaut looks at Neil Armstrong, where it's like, I'm not there yet, but that's in me. It's like instead of Neil Armstrong, it's a it's a fat, lonely Drunk loser in a bar. I look at that and I go, if I keep doing what I'm doing, it will progress to that point. And I am lucky to have at least acknowledged it now, to where I'm never really going to be able to drink again with a without a little bit of ah, I shouldn't be doing this though, you know. And I'm, I'm sure everybody feels that to the ex- to an extent. I just think some people are able to moderate themselves enough to where they can they can responsibly give themselves a pass and go, well, I'm having fun tonight. You know what I mean? A lot of people they only drink. One night a week, and they have four, and they go, this is my fun night. This is totally fine, and it is totally fine. The problem is I have one fun night, and the next night I go, last night was fun. I should do that again. And then all of a sudden I've been drinking every single day four to six drinks a night for two weeks, and I haven't wrote a single joke. I haven't done anything. And it's good to just stop yourself and go, yeah, I'm not cool. And that's one of the, you know, what I try and remind myself without shitting on myself is that I'm not cool. I'm not a cool person. I I am a ham, and I I'm a, I fuck things up. I don't have tact. I'm not good socially. You know, I'm not, like, cool. I'm just not a naturally cool person. So I can't act like I can get drunk, and then I won't eventually, you know, be a bother. Because, you know, I think like anybody, there's been times where I've been drunk, and then people look at you, and they go, you're drunk, and that's the worst thing in the world there's nothing you want to hear less when you're fucked up on anything than somebody acknowledging it when you go ah shit you know now i'm not cooper now we're not having a fun time now i'm a drunk guy and you know and you know i love my grandmother so much she was uh and you know this is gay but uh she i considered her my best friend up until the day she died uh because you know we we had a relationship that went beyond just you know, grandmother, grandson, we, we really had like a friendship and I could really talk to her. And what I respected the most about my grandma, uh, was her love of people that she knew how to, how to listen to people. And more than that, how to create a space for people. And, and my goal in life is to be good at creating a space for other people that when they talk to me, they feel like they can be themselves. And I can, and, and with my own vulnerability and with my own honesty, I can tell them subtly, hey, you don't have to put on airs in front of me. You can just be who you want to be. And the problem when you drink is that sometimes, you know, two drunk people are a wonderful open spaces for each other. A lot, of, a lot of the most loving conversations I've had have been with me and another person who's hammered because our inhibitions are down. But also, if you drink a lot... There's a lot of times where you're going to be drunker than other people. Sometimes you're just talking to sober people. And now you have, you've 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 uh, othered yourself from them. And so that chance to open up a space is gone because they don't feel comfortable enough. They don't respect you enough as a drunk person to really open up or be themselves. And I'm not saying every conversation has to be deep. I'm not saying that. I'm saying I want people to be able to explain to me for five minutes straight what they love about their favorite band and not feel like I don't care or they feel insecure about it. You know, I want people to to be able to talk about what they want to talk about and, and feel comfortable with me. And if I'm drunk, that will oftentimes, it'll take you out of it. And I'm not saying that happens to everybody who drinks. I'm talking strictly about myself. <coughs> and, you know, and that just sucks, You know, that just sucks a lot. Um, And it also sucks because, you know, I'm naturally a very anxious and uh, not so quick to be friendly kind of person. You know, I don't think I'd consider myself mean, but I've definitely gotten a lot of reviews from people that say the first time I met you, I thought you didn't like me. I get that a lot. And I always say, no, that's not that's not true at all. But I'll put that off, and sometimes the alcohol will make me interested in somebody. If I'm drunk, I'll be like, yeah, tell me about your fucking pickleball league. And in the back of my head, I'm like, I could stab this guy in the face and feel nothing. But outwardly, I'm giving him a space, and and he feels good because he's talking about this fucking shit nobody cares about, you know? But he has a place to talk about it. So sometimes it works out. But for the most part, what I should just try and get good at is to naturally... And not naturally, but just in life, just sort of automatically know the goal of any conversation is to make the other person feel comfortable. Because the more comfortable they are, the more fun you're going to have, the more they're going to be themselves. And you get to find out how funny other people are. Because I was listening to Conan O'Brien's podcast, another young podcaster coming up. I uh, really hope he, he finds his way in that um, but I was I was talking I I was see, that's that parasocial relationship. I was not talking to him. He would never speak to me. He would stab me in the chest. Um, I was listening to him talk about meeting somebody, and it was Bill Hader talking about uh his nanny. He didn't know she was an improviser for years, and now she's on his show, and he was like, How did I not know this you were so funny this whole time? And it's, you know, it's just because they just hadn't spoken enough. It's not that he was being mean, they just hadn't spoken enough. But I, you know, I think if The more comfortable you make somebody, especially in comedy around comedians and people who are nervous about meeting new people or whatever, the more comfortable you make them, the more they're going to tell their jokes, the more they're going to express their humor, and sometimes you'll think they're hilarious, and now you have a new friend, and you go, that guy's so funny, and they bring the funny out of you, and then you really get into a good riff. But, you know, I can't, I can't do that if I'm fucking hammered all the time, because then to those people, you're just the drunk guy, and that's a wall that you'll never pass that they go, well, he's nice, he's just drunk a lot. And so I feel like I never really met the guy, you know? And so you got to have that balance of, you know, being honest and open, but not being selfish. You don't want to be the guy that's the king of bad news every time you see him, you know? Like, there's one fucking guy I know. You know, he's, he's in comedy, he's a rich kid. Every time I see him, all he talks about is how hard this business is. And, you know, the funny thing is, you would think other people in the same career goal in the in the comedy world you'd think those would be the best people to talk to about how hard the business is and in a lot of ways it is if the other person is willing to have that conversation but in a lot of ways they're the worst because it's like a guy in a factory talking about how hard it is to work in a factory to another guy in the factory because the other guy's going to be like yeah man we're all doing the same thing why are you acting like this is your complaint you know And I I think alcohol, for me, can make me a little more selfish and self-centered, and I think it can lead you to do that stuff, you know? Because that's always a classic thing, is the drunk guy who's saying too much wild stuff. And it's because he's gone from thinking about how other people are going to feel about him to just (coughs) jerking himself off in conversation, because he just wants to hear himself talk. And, you know, the funny thing is, the obvious thing to me is, as much as I shit on myself... Uh, I'm still wildly obsessed with myself, and in a lot of ways narcissistic enough to shit on myself. Like It takes a lot of gall and self-interest to talk about how much you suck. You have to think you're really important to be like, I suck so much, I should kill myself. I'm not saying everybody that kills themselves feels that way. I'm sure a lot of people that kill themselves would say, actually, I felt the opposite. I felt so worthless that I should kill myself, but I think even that is the same thing, it's like, you think your worthlessness is so much more worthless than the rest of the world, that you have to kill yourself, that's a certain kind of, you know, you're really only thinking about yourself at that, you're really so into yourself, and I want to get away from that, of stop thinking about Cooper so much, just think of myself as a, you know, a person with a brain and a body, and and what can I do with that body, and How can I exert myself and let's stop trying to figure out so much about myself? You know, I'm in therapy and that's great, but there's a certain level to where you got to go, okay, let's step back from trying to figure out how the machine works and let's just see what the machine can do. Even if I'm depressed and even if I kind of quote, need to be in therapy, even if all that's true, what can I, what am I still capable of right now? Because there's so many people I know that get into therapy, they get a diagnosis, and it's like they get the golden ticket to just have an excuse for the rest of their life. And that's not what you're supposed to do. You're supposed to get diagnosed and then go, oh, great, here's a problem. Here are some potential solutions or, or mitigating factors that I can lessen this issue with and then get back to being a normal person. That should always be the point. But there's a lot of people that go, well, I'm not normal and I will accept that. And it's like, listen okay. But in that acceptance of it, figure out how to be the best you can be. And, you know, I got to, you know, I'm so prone to all of that. And all I want to do is just uh, realize that we're all the same person at our core and we all want, you know, really the same things. And, and we all kind of, you know, have similar things to say. I was I was talking to my friend today about, how a couple of years ago I decided to stop pretending that I know bands or movies that I don't to keep up a conversation. I just stopped. If somebody brings up even a famous band, you know, like, like Jethro Tull, I haven't listened to Jethro Tull. I'm sure I've heard their hits, and if you told me, oh, that's actually Jethro Tull, i go, oh, I like that song. I didn't know that was them. If somebody brings them up, And it requires me to know about them in the conversation. I'll just tell them, you know, I I actually haven't listened to a lot of Jethro Tull. A lot of people are afraid to do that because they're afraid of the person going, what? You've never listened to him. I fucking love that shit. When somebody goes, you've never listened to him. And I go, yeah, yeah, what should I listen to? And then they go, it's like I was saying earlier, I get to talk about their band now. They go, oh, dude, here's what you got. What I notice is most people will not think you're a loser or think you're an idiot or think you're wrong for knowing, for not knowing something. I, I find that actually nice people who you would want to be around will be very excited for the potential journey that you can now go on with this band you haven't heard of. It's only a dickhead who's going to be like, oh, you don't know about them, oh, fuck you, and then not give you the time. That's a dickhead. That guy doesn't even like that band. He likes them. So he can say he likes them. Nice people will go, oh, dude, you haven't heard of them? You're going to love them. Here's some stuff you can listen to. They'll send you some songs. You listen to it. The next time you see them, you go, hey, I listened to those songs. I really liked it. And they go, right? And now you have a connection with that person. And if you're the fucking dickhead that's going to pretend to know it just so you can seem cool to that person, all you're doing is just is stopping your own vulnerability and, and humanity. So that's, you know, that's in conversation. I like to just, you know, to just be like, well, no, this is, you know, this is who I am. This is what I know. And if you know something that I don't tell me, please, I'll listen. I would love to hear what, you know, I will be, I'll try and be that space for you. And anybody that knows me personally is probably listening to the saying, Cooper, I don't know. Yeah, you don't do that at all. You're, you're. You're None of what you are saying... Of course, that's why I'm saying it. I'm aspiring, you know? But, I don't know. It's uh, trying to just function more, you know? I think the age I grew up in is an age where people implore you to interrogate yourself and to fix your problems and to reach almost enlightenment with therapy. And after you do that you are now ready to go do what you're supposed to do and i've i've found that's one of the worst ways possible to go through life because what it does is it it just it's just you telling yourself you're not ready and you get into a perfectionist mindset and you're never going to get to this perceived level of readiness to do what you want i mean the amount of people that have so many excuses for why they haven't ridden their their they're great novel yet you know what i mean there's so many excuses well i got to work this out i got family issue i got this i got that i got this i got that you know the only way to get good at stand up is to do stand up you know but the people that are like well i'm going to mics and i'm watching it you know and i'm trying to figure it out and you know and then just people are like i got you know and i understand like if you're if you're so fucked up that you need to go to a mental hospital just to stay alive yeah don't stop with the stand up fix that but just, you don't have to be perfect though. Just get to a point where you can not think about killing yourself every day. And then in the 10 minutes that you're not, do some writing. You know, just get to that point where it just, the point is function. Because, you know, for, I feel like up until the last 150 years, the entire world was like actively ignore any issue and just do your job. And I don't think that's good either. I think you just have to find a balance where you go, okay, you know, I'm a little depressive, I'm anxious. I got problems. I have a real weird guilt complex that I'm still trying to, you know, kind of figure out where that comes from. And we'll work on that. And time, just time alone will help me with those things. But I'm not going to sit here and go, once that's done, then we can be a comedian. No, you go, I've got to do everything I'm supposed to do right now to the extent that I'm able to do it. And I have to remember that uh, there is there's no end to this. That there's no end to being good at writing scripts, and there's no end to being good at being yourself. You can just only get better at them. So there's no reason to wait until you're ready to do those things. You're never ready. You just do them, and then you hopefully get better at them. Like, there was this... there's this fucking philosopher that was... Uh, and none of this episode's funny. If you, it, It's not gonna happen. I'm sorry. But there was this fucking philosopher that was talking about this shit. He believed in God. Uh... And I, I'm not a big God guy, but there's a great lesson to take from this. Is He was saying a lot of Christians, what they try and do is reach God. They try and reach a sort of enlightenment, a perfection. They try and reach God, and uh, that's not what we're here for. He goes, God made us imperfect. He, he endowed us with original sin. Um, he, he made it so that we could never be perfect, and... A lot of people hear that and they go, so we're fucked. And he goes, no, no, no. You're actually infinitely powerful. Maybe even more than God. I don't think he said that. But you, because you cannot be perfect, means you can never not get better. Because perfection is death. If you reach perfection, you're done. You can't get any better. <coughs> That's the worst possible thing I can imagine. What I like is, is the thought of, oh, if I work on comedy, if I work on script writing, if I work on being nice to people, if I work on not drinking, I will never be perfect at any of those things. I will get better and better and better and better. And if I do it right, the day I die will be the best I can be. And it's not a linear, there's ups and downs, but because we're not perfect, you know? So the amount of people that, uh, that, uh, that treat mental health like something to be conquered and not just something that you go, oh, I guess that's something I have to kind of tweak every day in my life, are doomed. Because they're like, oh, I'll fix it. And then I won't have to worry about it again? What are you, stupid? If you have any point in your life where you want to kill yourself, that I don't think ever leaves you. I think it only can evolve into different things. If you're suicidal and you work on it, 10 years later, you might have not thought about killing yourself in nine years, but you have worked from that place and everything you've become has, that's been a part of it. So it's not gone. You've just, you know, you have, you can't erase anything. A lot of people with mental health, they're like, well, I'll erase the depression. I'll fix the depression. And then I won't have to think about it again. It's like, no, you got to think about it every day. You got to wake up. You got to remind yourself, you know, what you want to do and you have to just do it again. Carol King, you've got to get up every morning and show the world all the love in your heart. And it's a very inspirational, loving, beautiful by Carol King. That's a song. It's great. And it's really inspirational, it's really nice. I think it's very optimistic. But also it's it starts with you've got to get up every morning. You have to do something. Can't not do anything, you know. What pisses me off about fucking you know just this this like the culture now is like wanting to be coddled so much and there's this whole thing and i'm not talking about participation awards i'm not fucking 95 here but i'm talking about this thing where everybody just like needs a safety blanket now and i you know i think it's fine but i don't like that that's like the reason things are being made you know what i mean like like a lot of like a lot of uh, cool art doesn't exist anymore in any of the arts doesn't exist anymore because the primary reason a lot of especially young people consume mainly television or whatever is is uh to find comfort in it and you could argue that you know any entertainment is always trying to find comfort but i also think that a lot of uh painting art whatever uh the point of it has always a part of it has been to challenge the audience that is actually not comfortable to watch a movie that makes you uncomfortable and to go, why did they make this? Why do they want to make me feel this way? And then go, oh, well, I do feel this way. Isn't it interesting that they've made me feel this way? Like, like I think even a bad movie is, is really great because you walk out and you go, I'm fucking mad. You go, isn't it interesting though that it made you mad, you know? But like, I hate Ted Lasso. I've never seen it. I just, I've seen clips and I know the people that like it And I know the reason it was successful was because it was a pandemic and people were anxious and they were scared and they just needed somebody that would tell them, hey, well, you're great. But that show has nothing to say and it has nothing to do with the fucking it's faux inspiration and it's not trying to challenge you at all. It's just trying to fucking hug you and tell you everything's going to be all right. And I think that's disgusting because uh, everything is not gonna be all right. Everything is going to be what it is, and sometimes it's gonna be really shitty. And you know, if you if you're really being honest about saying everything's gonna be all right, what you're saying is, well, you're not gonna, you're probably not gonna die, and you'll probably get through this. But let's not lie to people and tell them that it, it everything's okay and that you're perfect. You're not perfect. Don't you shouldn't be told that. You know, you, you, I like watching stuff that like, good stand-up, you know, will reflect on me and make me realize my own problems while I'm laughing. Like, I watch Richard Pryor talking about when his wife left him and shooting his car and the cops coming and arresting him. And when he did that, I'd wager he was probably fucked up. And I look at that, and I go, I've never done anything close to that. But I understand that, you know, there's a hole in my wall. I understand that I'm pissed off i'm I feel helpless and i 'm going to try and take control by destroying something so you 're going to try and drive away in my car. I will shoot the car, and that is one of the funniest jokes you don 't even realize how tragic that situation is when you read it, but when you when you watch it but like that joke does you know at least for me personally also kind of challenge me at the same time because I see a bit of myself in it you know and i just I hate that so many people now uh watch show we're getting to this point where everybody is like a fucking mom in the 90s where they're like why is this show violent there's all these kids on twitter that are like why is this show have sex in it i don't need to see sex the audiences now it's like they're they keep telling us like what they oh i don't need to see this i don't want to see this this makes me uncomfortable i think any artist always has to listen to their audience but i also think there's a 10 percent where you kind of don't where you kind of go, no, I'm going to show you this thing. And don't worry, I'm going to do my best to either make you laugh or make you enjoy the painting or make you like the movie. I'm going to do my best that you will like it. But I'm not, it's not always to make you happy and to make you feel safe or to make you feel to have a lack of tension throughout the whole thing. It's like, what are the stakes in Ted Lasso? Like to win the big soccer game? Who gives a fuck? And I hate that there's this thing now where it's just like, so many people's, you know, and I don't think this is the overall feeling. I think this is crazy people on Twitter, but there are, is a lot of them still. There's so many people that like what they want from art is just like, Hey, can we just have the easiest, simplest thing where there's not even a falling action? Like we're just, everything's okay. And it's just good the whole time. And it's like, uh... I mean, that's what we write for kids. Those are kids' shows. You're talking about a children's show is what you would like to watch. If, if you want to see any kind of art that is in any way honest, it is not going to be Ted Lasso. That's not, that's not a life that exists. That's not a real thing. Because the real Ted Lasso goes home to his wife and she tells him, you've been spending too much time with the soccer team and, you know, I, I fucked... Uh, the baker from down the street and he just, you know, he bent me over the counter when you were at work and just fucked the shit out of me and, and you're not a good husband and I, and I don't love you anymore, you know? And should that be in the show? I'm not saying it needs to be. I'm just saying they're leaving it out. <coughs> saying it's not all fucking roses all the time, you know? I just hate that everybody's a bitch now and, you know... I only say that because I am also a bitch too much. I'm too into myself. I'm too fucking hesitant and scared. And, you know, I'm not saying this is a six-year-old man that's like back in my day. No, I'm saying in the current day that I am in, that I am part of, I don't like it. So many of my reactions are spoiled and coddled and wanting only the thing that I want and not wanting to see things I don't, and I think that's disgusting. I I think it's weak. I think it's the end of a lot of good things, you know? I don't know. It's just, I just like fucking. Like fucking nerd comedy. I'm so glad that's dying. But do you remember that fucking like, what was it, like 2012 to 2015 or so? Maybe a little earlier, maybe a little after it was this just this thing where it was like all these comics and i'm not talking about alt comedy i'm talking about nerd com like specifically nerd it's like it's like the it was like the later version of some alt comedy where it's like guys like talking about like how they're just fucking bitches and they love board games and it's like you know yeah i guess they're saying their truth but also it's just like this whole like what if instead of trying to be a confident person, I just didn't and I was just only honest and vulnerable and that's confidence and it's like, no, it's not. You're just fetishizing your own bitchness. You know what I mean? It's just, you know, it it just it just sickens me and I'm not saying that my comedy is fucking challenging anybody. I don't think it is. You know, it just it was whatever, but I'm not I know that I'm not writing comedy for the express intention of making people comfortable. You know, like there's a lot of comics I know that, you know, their whole point is I want to do comedy that doesn't challenge the audience because I just want them to feel comfortable from beginning to end. And it's like, well, I want to talk about everything I want to talk about. Like a lot of the things I've talked about in this podcast, I write jokes about. And it's not naturally funny. I know what's funny about it. But if I go on stage and I tell a crowd, hey, I think I have a drinking problem, that's not immediately funny. I have to make that funny, and I try really hard to. What I don't want to do is go on stage and just tell a story about like, hey, I slipped and fell in a banana peel. Isn't that naturally funny and naturally agreeable, and you're not scared at all? What's uh, Okay, what's the fucking point of that? You're just making McDonald's cheeseburgers. It's just the same thing. It's no, There's nothing special about it. Oh, your comedy is nice and agreeable? How fucking interesting is that, you know? And once again, I don't think, you know, everybody should be Bill Hicks or Sam Kinison. I personally don't really like their stand-up, you know? If you're not familiar with them, a lot of it's, like, almost uh, intently not funny. Like, they're trying to... To piss people off. And and a lot of times at that time, because it was a new idea, never really tried to ever bring them back. I think that's bad, too. I think that's self-centered and not caring about the audience in its own way. But it's a, you know, it's a balance. It's a balance to all these things. And, I'm, yeah, I'm... I'm yeah, you just, you just get really sick of... Uh, of everybody wanting things to be fucking nice, you know? I don't want things to be mean or angry or bad. But, but, I'm, but I don't like that a lot of people, what they want from their art is to only be nice. And that if I have a joke about something that's not immediately funny, that they go, oh, I don't like this. And it's like, well, why don't you wait 30 seconds and I'll make a joke and you'll laugh. And then you'll go, oh, I, well, that was uh, scary, but now laugh. Yeah, that's the whole fucking point. I don't know. There's just all, you know, there's so many bitch tendencies that I have. Just so many just loser pussy whining into myself, you know, hating, you know, people that are more successful. And that's I've kind of dropped that. But, you know, there's just so much me, me, me kind of shit. And it and it really pisses me off that there's a culture now that's kind of like, yeah, you, you, you. And it's what I was talking about earlier, where it's like, stop trying to figure yourself out. Just fucking be good at something. And if you're good at something, you will, you will feel happy. That's what uh, fucking Burroughs or something, I think I've said this before on this podcast, but I think it was William S. Burroughs, or it might have been somebody else, but they said uh, uh, trying to be happy is, is the worst possible thing you can do. Because if you try specifically to be happy, what you're going to do is you're going to seek pleasure you're just going to get high. You're going to watch TV. You're going to do things that the whole point is just to make you happy. But you're not actually going to be satisfied or happy because you haven't done anything. So you're going to feel lazy. And you're just going to be a guy that watches too much TV. What you should do is you should find out what you want to do, whatever it is. Find out what you want to do. Get good at it. Achieve something. And happiness will then be a byproduct of action. That's what it is. Happiness is a byproduct of, of exertion, of you actually doing something. And there's just so many people that just go to therapy, take the fucking pills they give them, don't do shit, watch Ted Lasso, and they wonder why they're not happy. And it's like, because you don't do anything. You don't do what you want to do. I'm not saying you have to contribute. I don't fucking contribute to the world, but I know that when I write a joke or I work on a script or I get this podcast out, I feel better about myself. And there's so many people that just don't do that. And it's like, I just hate this thing where there's so many, and I, you know, and I think a lot of people should totally be on pills. You know, I was on them for a little while and it helped me, and then I stopped, and I've been okay enough to not take them. But I think there's a lot of people that should maybe be on pills till the day they die, because I mean, obviously the most obvious is like if you're schizophrenic, you know, pills can kind of stop that. Now you should stay on them, and if you are massively depressive and suicidal, and if you don't take those pills, those intrusive thoughts that you know, how, however much you're trying to work on them just won't stop, then yeah, get do it. It's fine. I'm not trying to say don't, you know, take meds if they help you. But the whole point of the meds is to get you to a point where you do something. Just do it. Like, there's so many people that, like, go to therapy, take a bunch of pills, watch their comfort shows, and they never take a fucking walk. And it's like... Do you know if you took a walk every morning, and if you got sunlight in your eyes, if that fucking cortisol got released, you would you would uh, have more energy, and you would go to sleep earlier, and and you would sleep better, and you'd wake up feeling better the next day, and all of that you can do in addition to whatever the fuck you need to do to stay alive, but you need to do that, or something, or, you know... Go to the gym. Go walk to get a coffee. I'm not saying you have to be fucking David Goggins. I think that guy's another form of insanity, where he's just run- practically, literally doing ultra marathons to run away from any of his problems. And that's like what the world was until 150 years ago. You got to find that balance. Figure out your problems, and then figure out how to how to still do what you need to do while those problems still exist, because they're never going away. They're just you're just going to get better at fighting them. My brain is constantly trying to kill me. And so for the rest of my life, I am in a battle to not let it kill me. And then you know, you get stronger and stronger and eventually you and your brain look at each other and you go, you know we're the same person. We we need to stop fighting, you know. And all the power that it's been using to kill you is eventually going to be the same power that you'll use to 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 get some shit done and then and then you got, you know, then you then you have a friend, you're finally a friend to yourself, you know. But I mean, there's so many people that are just not friends to themselves and and they and they blame everybody else. And, you know, I, I, I think the problem is growing up with uh, addicts in my family and seeing like the use of drugs and alcohol ruin what was a good family gives me very little sympathy for people who create their own problems. I have a lot of sympathy for them. You know, If you listen to the podcast, you know there's nothing I love more than backtracking. I have a lot of sympathy for people that are struggling with addiction and all that. But I also know that at the end of the day, it's, it's going to be their decision to fix it. And I don't like this fucking thing, especially with mental illness, where they go, well, what can he do? He's depressed. Well, how are they, what are they going to do? Because that's his problem. We all have our own problems to fix. That's his. You got yours. I got mine. Okay, I don't blame a bipolar one person when they are in mania. If, if somebody is in a state of mania, like Kanye, when he was saying that crazy stuff and everybody was like, how can he say this? I, I found it so funny that from the culture that has so much empathy for mental illness that, that they said, this is inexcusable. This is not okay to say this. And I say, listen, you're right. It's not okay to say the things he's saying. But right now, he has lost his fucking mind. And when he comes down from this mania, he's probably not going to keep saying those things. So do I blame Kanye for the things he said? No. I do blame him for not taking the pills and doing the work to stay out of a state of mania. Because once you're in mania, I go, listen, you're not responsible for yourself. You're a crazy person. But before that, you got to prep to not get to that point. That's what I blame him for. Do I blame him for the for the fucking million words he said in two weeks, most of which were horribly anti Semitic and shit? It it's I think it's really stupid and unevolved to go, oh yeah, that guy that guy, he's totally you know he's totally evil. No, he's crazy. Crazy. A lot of times crazy says the same thing as evil. You know what's you know who's truly evil is fucking you know, Hitler was stone-cold sober for a while before he got on the meth saying crazy shit. That's an evil guy. He really thinks that. I don't know... I have no idea what Kanye really thinks because the only time the fucking news ever talks about him is when he's in a manic state and us as a whole nation exploit, laugh, and, and get really angry at a man who is who is out of his mind and needs help that he's denying. And I And I you know and i can't respect him in a lot of ways because he chooses to not accept that help and chooses to sustain this mania and chooses to create the same problems for himself <coughs> bipolar 1 is is a you know is a condition that i wouldn't that i wouldn't wish on you know any of my worst enemies that's a that's a big thing to fight and i feel really bad for anybody that is but at the end of the day it's your fucking problem to fix and i'm not going to look at you like you're hopeless you know why because I believe in you because you're a person because I respect everybody enough to look at him and go fix your shit. People act like that's not respecting somebody. They go, well, he can't fix it. He's crazy. How dare you? That's so rude and dismissive of him. No, it's me looking at him and going, no, there's potential in that person to fix their fucking problem. Because I've seen it and I've seen the other side. And it's your choice. I, with my brother's, you know, addiction, it got to a point where I didn't really care if he lived or died because I was my only option as somebody that loved him. I could no longer try and fix him. I understood that. I understood that it was only him who was going to do that. And it took not having a place to live and sober living being the only place he could go to until he fixed it. And he fixed it, and now he's doing fucking great. But that was his job. And, and people that didn't grow up around addicts or somebody who's out of their fucking mind don't understand that only they can fix them. There's all these people with rose-colored glasses that are like, "Well, if you're just if you just love them enough and you're just nice to them, they'll eventually fix." No, they won't. A lot of people will just keep stealing money out of your wallet because you're rolling over for them and you're enabling them, you fucking bitch. Have enough respect for your own child to say get the fuck out of my house and see if they work it out, you know? Yeah, we're all in this together, but also we're very alone in a lot of ways. And you, you have to fucking figure it out. And I am somebody who is nowhere near having figured it out. This is supposed to be a comedy podcast, and today it wasn't. I haven't figured it out yet. I'm still working on it. But that's my issue, you know what I mean? I got to get funnier to where I could have the same podcast, talk about the same things, but you get a couple laughs, you know what I mean? It is, you know, it is what it is. I don't have all the answers. I just know that life is simple, it's just not easy. You know, comedy simple, it's not easy. The answer is do a lot of comedy until you get good at it. Take interest, try and be yourself. Don't get good at lying on stage. And if you do that enough, you will get good at it. You are not guaranteed a career because that's a whole different thing. That's a business. Maybe you're not, you know, going to work. But if you do comedy and you really try for a long time, you'll get good at it. And it's the same thing with anything. It's not easy, but it's simple. There's a wall in front of you. You have a hammer. Keep hitting the wall until you start seeing light on the other side. There's nothing easy about that, but there's something really simple. And a lot of people think that, like, if they just fix their little mental health issues or whatever, that eventually they're going to just, that wall is just not going to exist anymore. It's like, no, you just start banging away, okay? And that's, yeah, I mean, that's, like, the thing. of That's why depression is the most, why it's such a funny uh, illness. Because the answer is uh, to just act like you're not. Like, essentially, the way to fix being depressed is you wake up. And you go, I don't want to get out of bed. And you just do. And you just fucking hate it. And you just do that enough times until you hate it less, and 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 you hate it less. less. I used to run a lot. Running is a good, is a great metaphor for life. Because the first time you run, it just feels so pointless. You're just like, oh God, I'm just running down this. What the fuck am I doing? This sucks. This hurts. And it never gets easier. But your perception of the pain you feel and and your ability to think through it is what you get better at. The greatest runners in the world are very physically fit, amazing athletes. But what they also are, are people who uh, have reckoned with that pain enough to just not give it enough credence to stop them. To go, well, yes, I feel the pain, but that's not the reason to stop. And there's so many people that are like, well, how can I do anything? I feel so much pain. And it's like, I don't think it's enough for you to not do the fucking shit until you get better at it, you know? And there are exceptions. There are, you know, people that have to go to a psych ward for 30 days to, you know, to 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 at least get some medication to take them away from the edge of the cliff so they can at least see it, and it's a, it can be a long road. But that is the same—that's the work still. You're still doing the work, you know? But there's a lot of people that just, you know— I think not being happy every fucking day convinces a lot of people that they're depressed. And it's like, no. You're just not naturally happy all the time. Be fine with that. You're going to be a loser doing whatever the fuck you do until you're not. Be fine with that. Just work hard and, and, and work like somebody gives a shit, you know? I released this podcast for nobody. And I come on here and I talk about it sucks, but at the end of the day, I still release it every week. There's still a sense of of understandable delusion to go, why would he release 47 episodes of an unsuccessful podcast? Well, it's because I'm trying to do it until it's not. And chances are it'll just be this forever and I'll, I'll be with my 15 people. And I won't stop, even though maybe I should. But it, it is very funny because the one thing that would make you a guy that has a thousand episodes of a podcast nobody listens to is, is the same thing that can make you a guy with a thousand podcasts that's the most successful podcast in the world. It's just it's just a matter of effort. It, it Listen, it's it's not guaranteed to work out, but it is guaranteed that the thing you need to do for it to work out is just to do it. This is turning into a motivation podcast. That's what this is all about. It's motivation from a guy who is is a d- d- deeply ill in several ways, that really should not be giving advice to anybody except a sock nailed to a wall. Is there any better advice than advice from a person who kind of sucks? I don't know. I think I'm a lot more inspiring than Tony Robbins. What, that guy's like seven foot tall and he's a millionaire? Wh- why would I want to be inspired by him? What's he going to tell me to do? All the right things? No! You listen to a guy living in a studio apartment. If I'm telling you that you got to get over your shit and shape up, then Jesus Christ, you must have something to fix. If at all what I've said relates to you, Jesus Christ, you must have problems. Because I'm saying it, a fellow loser is saying it. I need to be a motivational speaker that goes on tour and go, I have a net worth of $800. I can barely afford rent, which is relatively cheap. Nobody likes me, and I drink too much. Let's start the seminar. You know what I mean? That's, that's, I I don't know. Maybe I can make a million dollars. Maybe I could swindle people. Maybe motivational speakers actually can be losers, and they don't have to be uh, inspiring people. It's something to think about, honestly. You know, it's something that... Uh Maybe we get on the road, start doing some arenas, you know? Put my hand on people's heads and shake them around or whatever the fuck they do there, you know? Uh, just show them my flaccid penis. And you go, see? It's not hot. It's not impressive. And then I get it hard and I go, see? But now it's fine. That's what will motivate people, showing my flaccid to hard penis. And it's not like it gets hard extremely quick either. It takes, you know, a minute. But uh, yeah, so thanks for coming to the uh, the Friday Motivation Podcast. I hope uh, all of my tigers get out there and uh, win the day. Um, but anyway, uh, sorry this one wasn't funny. I had a lot of fun doing it, though. I hope that my charisma and my interest in what I'm talking about uh, made you guys interested in what I'm talking about. And if it didn't, uh, leave a comment. Let me know. Hey, no, actually, I didn't like it. You just kind of talked really fast and somewhat negatively for about an hour and it it actually it actually made me feel worse. Leave a comment let me know. If you have anything nice to say about the episode, I don't need to hear it. Let me know if you didn't like it. If this was your first time listening, let me know. Tell me, hey, I tried out this podcast. It was really uncomfortable, to be honest. I, I I've never heard a podcast like it, and I mean that in a bad way. Uh let me know. I'd love to know, you know, that it was just like uh, watching a scorpion crawl up your leg, you know? Uh, But anyway, uh, thanks so much for coming, and I will see you guys next week. Bye-bye.